Thank you for listening to the Kelowna Christian Center podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be fresh and encouraging to you. For more information on KCC and how to connect, visit us at kcc.net. I'm so glad to be a part of a church that realizes, has a realization of the power of the name of Jesus. That's the, if, if there's one thing that we, we learn from our, our beginning is that there's power in the name of Jesus. And, and no matter the circumstance or the situation you may be facing, the first place we need to go to is to Jesus. We go to Him first. Uh, this, this week I was actually out getting a haircut and I got, was coming back to my car and I sat in my car and there was a girl on the phone sitting beside, in a car beside me and she's just talking on the phone in the passenger side and I look over at her and uh, she's just talking away and I start up the engine and I look and her, her tires are turned out and as her tires are turned out I notice a huge nail sticking out of her tire. So I thought, oh man, so I rolled down my window, I said, excuse me for a second, and she turns around, she goes, hi Brody, I'm like, hey, I know you're on the phone, I know you're on the phone, but I just want to let you know, and then she goes, it, it's, my, it's my old youth pastor, she said, it's my old <laughs> youth pastor. I said, I, I know you're on the phone, just take a second, I just want to let you know, there's a big nail sticking out of your tire, your front tire there. And she goes, okay, see ya. And she goes back to talking on the phone as if nothing happened. And it's an odd place for me to be because I'm backing out and thinking I've done everything I can do. I told her about it. I, re- I-, I showed her like it's standing right. You can look out the window. You can see the nail. It's a, it's a big stud sticking out of the tire. And I realized something at that point in time. I realized that unless someone has a a revelation of the danger of a nail in a tire like that, they're not going to stop and change it. My grandpa would have been like 30 seconds, a new tire would have been out of the trunk, the car would have been jacked up already. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You, You don't wait because you realize your life could be in jeopardy, Someone else's life could be in jeopardy. The cost, your vehicle, like the tire could create damage to your own vehicle, creating an expense. Oh, a whole, you could be left stranded out in the middle of nowhere. Revelation revealed, like revealed to a person at that point in time that that, that you've got to deal with the nail in your tire. And what I realized is that there's a reason why the Apostle Paul prayed for us that our eyes would be opened and that we, our eyes would, that our heart would be enlightened and that we would have revelation understanding, revelation knowledge, not only of the hope that God has in you because that hope in us is power. The name of Jesus has power, but so that we know what we are facing on a day to day. And so we're here today and we realize together that we need God. Amen? That we, are, we need to put him first. We need to go to him first. We need to go to him before anything else. We need, his, we need that revelation in our heart that without him, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to dry up. I'm going to wither up. My, my, 
I'm going to slip back into Brody's grumpy mode. <laughs> I need Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need Jesus too. Don't, let, don't put it all on the, uh, on the pastor. Yeah, come on. We need Jesus. Amen. So it's great to be a part of a church that together rallies that, that heartbeat that says yes to God. Uh, you're part of this series. You're joining us. Uh, a series called Summer Vibes, and the, the song that we just heard from was called Sunday Best. How many of you love Sunday? Hot dog, it's Sunday morning, right? It's Sunday. And uh, the vibe is, is simply, it's, it's slang, it's short for a vibration. A vibration is just, uh, generally, it has a central point, it has a central focus, and, it, and when struck in that, in that central place, it creates a harmonic a repetitive effect, a vibration. Uh, I went downtown on my wife's birthday. I think it was, was it your birthday? <laughs> Pretty sure it was. We were celebrating her birthday anyways. And we were with the family and she wanted to go to a few of these crafty stores. You know how much we love crafty stores, guys, right? <laughs> she decided to go to some of the art studios and the art galleries and we just drove around to go to these different areas. And we went into this one studio down on Lakeshore, a beautiful little studio. And walk in, and I see on the wall three different, or probably four, four different pictures, massive pictures, worth like a, probably just about $10,000 a piece. They're, they're expensive. And I'm telling the kids, don't touch. Like, we're not buying one of these things. And they all looked like a target. Um, but every one of us saw something different. Like my son, I saw like a, a, a kind of like a target from like outside to the center. My, my son saw like a galaxy at the very center was this galaxy and everything was kind of growing from outside of it. Um, my daughter saw an eyeball. I think it was an eye. She's looking at, wow, this, and I'm thinking, man, I've got artsy kids, like creative kids. I saw a jawbreaker. You know, like when you lick a jawbreaker and you get to the center and you see all those rings that are around, I'm like, well, it's a jawbreaker. That's how deep my creative side goes right there. <laughs> but when we looked at this, I, I talked to the lady. I said, wow, this is expensive, like 10 grand a piece? What? What's going on? And she goes, well, this is what happens when the artist, what he would do is he'd put paint at the center. He'd create this form, and then he'd take a big gong. You know what a gong is? And he'd strike the gong, and it would vibrate the paint across the canvas in a circular motion. Like, so it's a visualization of vibration. I was like, wow. Natalie, do we have $10,000? I want to put one, like the story sold me. I was like, wow, this is so cool. Because vibration, a vibration is so important. There's a resonant effect. There's a vibration from the, the, the force of one's life. The Bible says each word that you say has an effect. Life or death comes, there's a power in the tongue. There's a vibration to your life. The message that you live, the life you lead, your testimony has a vibratory effect. And this song Sunday Best, is, is, it's just, it resonates with me because it's a story about a fellow, and you can kind of catch the vibe of the song, it's 
He's walking down the street on a Sunday. He's too blessed to be stressed. How many of you heard that? That's so cool. I'm just, he's living out his Sunday best, and he's going from point to point in this song, and he's talking about how he's going into the neighborhoods, and he's, he's just creating a positive effect everywhere he's going. And the attitude isn't, poor me, I have nothing to offer. The attitude is, imagine sunshine every day. How many of you just love the sun instead of the smoke? I just love it. Like, compared to last year, I remember this day last year, and we were just sopped in with smoke. But I know that, I, I know that when there's sunshine, it elevates the spirit. And the vibration... The vibration in our life and our, our core vibration comes from our view of God. If truth sets us free and, and provides liberty to us, freedom to us, it's safe to say that lies will hold us back. A lie will hold us back that we live by the truth. It's the truth that sets us free. It's the truth that gives us freedom. And the vibration that we cause and we believe based on our belief system and the, the life that we project and the life that we lead will, will affect the people around us. And it'll keep others from becoming locked up and trapped. It'll keep us and our heart from being locked up and trapped. How many of you know that there are things that can happen on a week-to-week -week basis, day-to-day -day basis? Some of you in your, your place of employment could be hour-to-hour -hour, that are that are are trying to squeeze God out and, and just create in you a, a barrier towards the world and actually just shutting down your love for people, your love for others, your joy. You can walk around and you're having joy in the middle of pain. You have strength in the middle of times when people are cutting you down at the knees and you're still able to stand. Where do you find this strength? Where do you find this hope? Where do you find this capacity? It comes because you have a view of God and a trust in God. When, when there's chaos around you, you find peace. Because peace isn't the absence of chaos. Peace is being able to trust God in God in the middle of chaos. It's that Jesus is in my boat. I'll be okay. He can speak to the storm. He can speak to the waves. He can speak to the, 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 um, the thunder. He can speak to the storm. Bill Bright said this. He says, everything about our lives, our attitudes, our motives, our desires, our actions, even our words is influenced by our view of God. When I was little, I learned that Jesus is my friend. And I had a Bible, I had comic book Bibles, these, these comic book Bibles. And as a kid, I remember like going through these Bibles to the place where like they were busting at the seams. I learned about all the things that Jesus did and how he became our friend. Later on in my preteen life, I, I, in my, I think I was about 12, 13, when I decided to make Jesus my Lord. Making Jesus my Lord was that next step in my walk with God, in that next step of my view of God. He, he moved from being my friend to Jesus becoming my Lord. 
And now it was no longer what kind of movies I want to watch and how I want to talk and how I want to relate to people and what I want to do with my money and all these things. I submitted it now to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He became my Lord. And after there was a moment where that all started getting worked out and became real to me that Jesus then later became my king. And I became his ambassador, and my role was then to now expand his kingdom. It's not about Brody's kingdom, it's about his kingdom. May his kingdom come, his will be done, and bring heaven to earth. So that became my friendship, my lordship, kingship. And I began to walk in my relationship with God, and how I began to view God through that process. And we hear the sound in our culture, and we hear how people view God. And people are wondering, is God even happy? And they've got different views of God. Some of them have a view of God as being an angry tyrant. That he's just waiting for a way to smite you. He's looking for a way to get you. and to, He's waiting for you to sin so that he can smack you. Some people have a view that God is like a genie in a bottle. You know, you just go to him with your prayer and he'll just, just, just give him your requests and everything will be all right. He's like that genie that, that uh, is built on a, a core, core nature of selfishness. Says, I just want from God what I can get from God. Has nothing to do about relationship. Other people see him as like a fire truck. You know, you just throw up a prayer flare. Whenever you need him, it's like... Help! <laughs> I need you, God. He's that fire truck. Call, call 911. And I just want to have him close enough that if I get into trouble doing things my way, he's there for me. Other people see him as a harsh taskmaster. And there are a lot of places in the Bible, I'm sure, and particularly in the Old Testament, where you can find this chilling image of a God who's who to be feared, the nature of God. But when you look a little deeper, that vibration sends out, might need to be adjusted. The vibration that you send out might need to be adjusted about who you believe God is. Seeing God as a loving father, seeing God as slow to anger, seeing God as rich in love. One who delights in the fact that he delights in you. Um, in Exodus chapter 6, tells the story of, of God speaking to Moses here. He says, God said to Moses, says, I'm the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. In other words, they knew me as God. They perceived me to be in the way that they saw me, and that's what I became to them. In other words, that's what I became to them. But God has so much more to show us. His nature. What is it like? And I'd like to take a few minutes today to talk about the God that I see, uh, which translates into the vibe I release to the world. My my conversation about God, when people ask me, who is this God that you serve? Who is this God that you, you 
uh, you spend time with, the, this God that you worship when you go to your church? What is this God like? Let me tell you first, I believe I serve a happy God. You turn to your neighbor and just smile for a moment. Just smile for a moment. This is natural. There will be smiling in heaven. The most heavenly thing you can do right now is smile. Honestly, I'll build a case for it in just a moment. Smiling is from heaven. Do you think the enemy wants you to smile? Has any reason for you to smile? Any desire for you to smile? No, he wants to rob you of that joy. I'm impressed by the fact that so many people don't see who God really is. They expect to come into church and they expect to hear dirgy funeral music. They expect to see people walking around like quietly, soberly, somberly, you know, just in a place where they're just, they're, they're, that the world is collapsing. They're expecting to hear a message that the sky is falling. They're expecting to hear that street corner Christian preacher, you know, speaking the message that hell is real, fire is hot, you know, the, get your life right. And I, I, I get it, the truth, but I'm telling you here, this is church. This is church when people go to church and see happy people. Not everything is perfect in your lives, but you can experience sorrow and still experience the joy and still experience rejoicing. Still lift your hands to God and say, yes to you, God. Yes to you, Lord, in the middle of my pain. I'm still going to trust you. When you can go to the church and you say, and they, they walk in, they say, people happy to see each other. Grateful to see each other. Laughing, smiling. Then they go, this is church. They wonder about this church. That people can be going through challenges, but their joy is not based upon their happenings. Their joy is based upon the relationship that they have with Jesus Christ. Jesus becomes the center of their life. And when you have Jesus, you have joy, despite your circumstances. If you don't have that, we need to get that. We need to have that joy center that Jesus center. Money can't give it to you. Relationships can't give it to you. Experiences can't give it to you. Plastic surgery can't give it to you. <laughs> Jesus can give it to you. He's the only one who can give it to you. Jesus-centered life is the joyful life. I serve a happy God. A happy God. Listen, when I think about church, when I see people go to church, I, I'm, I'm here to, to, together, we're singing these songs together. He broke every chain. He set the captive free. You think that when the, you ever see those cows jump out of their stall after they've been trapped for so long and they're springing around or like a puppy when he's let out the door and he just does the zoomies? And you know, he's running around. That's the joy of being free. I've never seen a free person soberly walk. I wish I could go back to that cage. They're out. They're gone. 
They're glad to be gone. Listen, our God is a party God. Our God is a musical God. Our God is a loud God. I'm not saying that because that's just what I want to project for this church. I'm saying it because it's biblical. Heaven will be loud. Psalms 149.3 says, Praise His name with dancing. Oh my goodness, dancing. Yes, dancing. I'd like to see more of you dance. I would like to see more of you dance. If there was ever a place you should be dancing, it should be in church. There's no dance hall or dance club or dance this. Dance, dancing is a church thing. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't know if you want to see me dance. I want to see you dance. Come on. Praise him with loud cymbals. He isn't sitting in heaven with his fingers in his ears going, oh my goodness, I wish I would turn it down. God isn't like, oh, they hit a cymbal. That was way over the decibel meter. The Bible says, praise him with loud cymbals, with tambourines and dancing. That was like a time where there was celebration in the house. We serve a happy God. In fact, you can eat, you can't even come into his presence. The Bible says, you enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Thanksgiving, giving thanks and giving praise. Because you can't go into any, you can't get in without praise and thanksgiving because he doesn't want you there if you've got a sour, sad, ungrateful heart. Because you'll bring the vibe down. It's my party, and I'll cry if I want. No, just find a different party. We're having a good time here. We're having a good time here. You want to come into his presence. The password to come in, the way you come in, is with joy. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Worship, sound of worship. In his presence, the Bible says, is fullness of joy. Not a little bit, fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. The right hand is what he uses to give out pleasure, 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 pleasure. Sunday morning, I love Sunday morning. You know why? Because there's pleasure in it. There's joy in Sunday. There's a joy in worship. And so this is where we face challenges, and I agree with it. But we find the joy of the Lord that becomes our strength. And it gives us the ability to carry through. I serve a joyful God. I, I, if you come from a house where, where you were serving a mad God, or you came from a church or home where you learned about this mad God, <clears throat> then music won't move you. Because you've got this solemn kind of like idea that you're serving this mad God. But I'm telling you today... You may need to change your vibe. God is not mad at you. God still loves you. God's still happy with you. God's still in love with you. He's not there out passing out demerits to everybody. You don't come into church and you get God's demerit. Ooh, I saw what you did. And 
If you come to church thinking that God's going to demerit you, you're not going to be happy in church. I come to church because I know that God removed my demerits. They got nailed to the cross of Christ. He says he took my warrant and he nailed it to the cross. He paid the penalty for my sin. So today, while there's opportunity, today, while there's time, today, while I have chance, I just repent. I say, Lord, I'm sorry. I come in with thanksgiving because of your grace is greater than, than my sin. I come in with thanksgiving because your mercy is new every morning. I come in with thanksgiving because you're faithful every single day. That is where I walk into his presence. And I walk in not heavy, I walk in reminded that God has lifted me up out of the, out of the dirt. He's lifted me up out of the slime. He's lifted me up out of the mud. And he puts my feet on a solid rock. He crowns me and he washes me and he puts a ring on my finger and he says, you're mine. Thank you, God. Thank you. And then I do a little dance, right? You do a dance. That's what we do. So heaven, if you want to know what heaven is like, like you've got to think about heaven. In heaven, there are, it says here, heaven, it's a place where there's no more, this is from the Bible, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more sickness, no more death. The Bible says he'll wipe every single tear from our eye. There will be no crying in heaven. Get it out here. If you got any stored up, get it out here. And that's what we do. The Bible says Jesus wept. He had compassion. The best thing you can do here, you'll never be able to do it again when you pass through heaven. You pass from death into life. You'll, you won't cry anymore. Today we weep for those who don't know him. The Bible says Jesus wept for those people that he saw. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were lost. So he wept after them. He wept for them. He didn't weep for himself. He knew his future. But he wept for those who haven't yet come to know the future that God had planned, the Father had planned for them. We, there will be no more weeping. There will be no more tears in heaven. Everything you need will be taken care of. Amen? Uh, that's it. If you're happy today and you know it, I just need to take 30 seconds and let's just praise God right now. Just raise our hands. Take our hands. I just want to say thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for all you've done in my life. Amen. I remember a time in my life where I was, I was alone. I had family. I had people around me, but I was alone. And God brought me into a place where I belong, into a family. He made me part of his family. He, made, he allowed me to realize that I didn't have to go through life alone. I could lean on him. And there's strength when I begin to lean on him. See, the Pharisees, these were men in, in Scripture. The, they were the, the religious types that loved policy. It was all about policy, policy, policy. And they, the, the word policy actually comes from policing. It's like, there must be a policy. They were policing people. And they brought people to, 
uh, Jesus. And, and these men, they had no relationship with God. They, they just wanted the rules. Give me the policy. And what, right when they were in front of Jesus, and one of the stories of, of them bringing someone to Jesus was when they brought a woman who had been caught in adultery to Jesus, and they said, we have policy here. The policy is stone her. She's caught red-handed. The policy says we should stone her. And Jesus, it was interesting because he didn't turn over to her and say, you know what, you're filthy. What you did was terrible. But what you, what you did was wrong. Instead, he, he, the Bible says he got down quietly and he began to write in the sand. And after he began to write in the sand with, a, with either his finger or a stick and he just began to write down. He says, anyone who's without sin, you can throw the first stone. And the Bible says, one by one, they all began to drop their stones. And they walked away without enforcing policy. Because none of us can live by policy. We only live because of the grace of God. And there's something to celebrate because of that grace. Something to celebrate because we've been forgiven. There's someone to celebrate because our life has been given a second chance and a new beginning. The old has passed away, and there's a new Brody in town. Yeah. And that new Brody, that new, that new Sheldon, is his life is hidden with Christ in God. And that is where we find hope. Amen? She met a person, not a policy. And when you meet a person, there's a new start. There's a new opportunity. Second of all, I believe I, I serve and I serve a smiling God. A smiling God. Um, I, I've heard some people criticize a pastor who smiles. And I never understood that. He's a smiling pastor. I'm like, I hope so. What's the alternative? Depressed pastor? I'd be careful about serving a depressed pastor. Heavy, down, the world's weight are on my shoulders. <laughs> it's, no, I serve a smiling God. Let me explain to you. Uh, this, this fact that God is smiling is biblical. It's biblical. Psalms chapter 2 says that in the middle of a mutiny by men, in a mutiny by the world, the Bible says he sits on his throne and he watches as men conspire against him. They're conspiring against him. And God is sitting there and he's smiling and he's laughing. And there's something that isn't moving him at all. The Bible says that when the Queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon's temple, came to visit the temple, what caught her eye was that she was amazed at all the people. Even the servants were smiling and laughing wherever they went. That's where she was amazed. She says, even your servants are smiling. And it's because we serve a smiling father. You know how we reflect to God what we believe about God? We reflect to God what we see in God. If you see him as angry, you're going to walk around angry. If you're going to see him as, as difficult, you're going to walk around as light, as just walking around on eggshells. But if you see him as smiling, you're going to walk around smiling. And I refuse church to be a place where, 
where people see more smiles when they go to Starbucks than when they come to church. When they go to the mall and they see more people laughing and smiling or the beach than when they come to church because we serve a smiling God. We serve a God who's joyful. We serve a God who's good. The Bible says that if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, imagine what I can do. We come into his presence, and the Bible says in his presence is this joy, his right hand are pleasures, and you're serving a God who's smiling. Amen. God is good. And not only is God good, he even knows he's good. He knows it. Before there was anyone out there to say he's good, he said he's good. The first day he made the earth, he's like, boo, 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 whatever he did. Took a thousand years, a million years, a day, a moment, I don't know. He did it. Let there be light. He's like, whoa, it is good. Every day he looked at what he created. He it doesn't bother him at all if no one here says he's good. He knows he's good. When, when it, it doesn't even matter if you don't praise him, he knows he's good. It, the opportunity comes when we can join in on the praise. And we say, wow, God, you're good. The Lord is good. God is good. His mercies endure forever. His love endures forever. God is good. On the second day, he created, wow, it is good. Wow, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, wow, I am really good. What he made. Turn to your neighbor and say, he made you. That's right, I'm very good. In fact, in heaven, there are angels. And they're surrounding his throne. And the Bible talks about angels as it's like... Uh, each one is facing a different direction, and they surround him. The Bible talks about these angels, if this was the place, and they, they, were, they surround him, and they're moving around him. And each moment they're moving around him, they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Holy, 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 holy. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, wow, wow. And this isn't just angels being repetitive, going holy, holy, holy. The rabbis actually say that God is constantly giving them something to go, wow, wow, wow. And it's, it's the multifaceted, multi-layered. Think of it in just this trivial term as perhaps we can, we can understand. It's like a diamond that when light gets reflected into that diamond, it creates a different prism. And each angle that this, each edge that this diamond has, at each angle that you're looking at it, it's creating a different look, and each one is going, wow, 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 wow. They are just wowed by God. Isn't that awesome? That's the God we serve. My God, I serve a God who makes friends. Jesus came to make friends. He came to separate the end of, you know, a good friend actually becomes a bridge between enemies. Hey, I love you both. Come on. And Jesus, he came to that place where he said, you know what? Father and men, you need to come back together. 
You need to break, break. I'm going to become that bridge between you two where there's peace and reconciliation. You and you, the communion is going to bring us together. And so we get horizontal relationships are bettered and vertical relationships are bettered and, 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 and made whole. And God just begins to, to, to help us control, help us build and, and support those relationships that might be difficult for us. That's what the cross is for. Jesus was such a friend, he said this, he said, put the blame on me. It's okay. I can do it. Blame me. Blame me. And uh, I came to be your friend. I'm not angry at you. I'm here to help. You need someone to blame. Blame me. Put it on me. Put that blame on me. The Bible says that this is the year of the Lord's favor. It's the year of the Lord's favor. And he spoke to his own disciples. He says, listen, I, I, I no longer call you even servants, but what do I call you? Friends. Do you see God as your friend? How do you see God? Is he your friend? Now, friends, they go to the beach together, they hang out together, they experience life together, they enjoy each other's company. When I wake up, I know that Jesus is with me. When I go to bed, I know Jesus is with me. When I go to work, I know he's with me. I know he's with me in difficult times. I know he's with me in the good times. In the places where I am experiencing real joy. I know he's with me when I'm in pain. I'm experiencing sorrow. I know he's with me when I'm, when I'm, I'm, cha- I'm experiencing challenges. But God is with me. I call you friends. Everything I've learned from the Father, I give to you. I've made known to you. Jesus was this life of the party with people. He wasn't a grump. Children don't run to a grump. (laughs) But children came to him, and he welcomed them, and he embraced them. And there's no difference between a child and you. God's heart is towards you. God's desire is towards you. God wants to, to embrace you to welcome you into his circle. Check your circle. Is is Jesus in that circle? The Bible says he was even a friend of the sinner. That was his reputation. He made sinners. Come on in. Come on, get close. Let me share with you. Let me take you in. Let me make a difference in your life. Come on, I can help. He surrounded himself with people who had questions. He, the critics. He surrounded himself with people. He wasn't afraid of the religious. He wasn't afraid of their questions. He wasn't afraid of people from different cultures or different races or different, different spaces. He loved all of them. He said, come in close. I know what you did, but what you did doesn't doesn't as much matter as what I can do for you in, in this moment. So come in close, and I'll make a difference in your life. Well, people say, well, I don't know, Brody. Jesus did have a whip. <laughs> but it's interesting. 
You know, we've all heard the story. Well, Jesus whipped people in the temple and he whipped them all and upturned their tables and threw their money chain. Like, it, I understand that. It, he did. But the, the Bible actually says something really interesting. It says, if you look at it before he began, he began turning over the tables, the Bible says this, he took the whip into, uh, where he took the whip into the temple. He says, the Bible says, he sat in the corner first. And he began to braid a whip. You know how long it takes to do that? Watching, waiting, until it's finally the place where it's like, okay, I got to do something about this. He, there's grace. There's grace. There's grace. There's grace. There's grace. There's grace in the time. There's grace until finally it's like, now I'm going to get your attention here. Stop what you're doing. Change your ways. And sometimes you'll be like, oh man, I just got whipped. Well, I've been waiting. Yeah. And you're not paying attention. So, <laughs> come on. Look up. Look around. I'm there for you. And that's where we have the heart of God. Jesus loved, loved people. He loved being around with friends. And I loved it so much. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about him just surrounding himself with people and food. And he just... Even, it was even a critical point to him that he said, hey, John, all your disciples, they fast and pray, but Jesus, your disciples don't fast. And Jesus fasted for 40 days, and then after that, he didn't fast anymore. Why? Because food is good. Amen? <laughs> and he said, no, while I'm here, while I'm with you, we're going to eat together. We're going to spend time together. We're going to sit together. We're going to love on each other. The first thing he did with Peter, when he saw Peter, uh, he says, Peter, get out of the boat, come to shore. He didn't, he didn't say, Peter, you know, you denied me to a little girl, and you did all these things. Well, you're so... He said, come on, Peter, sit down. We're having breakfast. Let's eat. Let's spend time together. And you know what's going to happen the day we get to heaven that day? The Bible says there's going to be a time when there's going to be a banqueting table open to all of us, and together we're going to eat. And together there'll be a party. And together we'll look down at the end of the table and there'll be a smiling God and a God who loves us, who's going to wipe every tear from every eye and there'll be no more sorrow because there's joy in his presence. That is the God that we see and that is the God that we need to vibe into this world. The vibration coming from this core, from this place in this church, into this community, is the, is the sound of God is good. He loves you. He's smiling. He's gonna, he wants to make you a friend. He wants to bring you into his circle. He wants to make you close. He wants to extend love and mercy and goodness and kindness towards you. So just open up your hearts. Because God is good. You see him? Well, I see this tyrant. No, no, he's smiling. Do you see it? Do you see it? Look at the church today. Do they look like they serve a God that is, 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 is full of wrath against mankind? No, he sent his son. Because God so loved the world. He gave his son for us. So that we could believe in him and have that eternal life. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning.
for your love towards us. You're rich in love. You're slow to anger and you're rich in love. Lord, even before we say the words, you are so quick to want and to desire for, uh, to forgive. And so, Father, today we just, we open up our heart and we say, Lord, if there's been any, any adjustment that's required because of history and experience or habit, Father, we just say we want you and we want all of you. The truth will set us free. The truth will release us into freedom, release us into impressing into our community this great love you have for us. So, Lord, today we open up our hearts to you. And I just want to take a moment with every head bowed and eye closed. If you're here today and this is the first time that you've even begin to see a God like this, and it's changed your perspective. And you said, you know, I've rejected a God that I just can't believe in. Uh, this, I can't believe in this God that's been formed in my mind. And I just want to repent today, and I want to accept Jesus. It might be for the first time, but I want to accept this Jesus who loves me and has died for me and cares for me and wants to give me life and life abundant, then I just want to pray for you today. And if you'd be so bold as just to raise your hand, every head's bowed and eyes closed. But if this is you today, just raise your hand up really high. This is you for the first time today. You want to make a decision to follow Christ. You want to make a decision to, to make this God your God. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are loved. We thank you that you care for us. And we ask today, Lord, by your spirit, that you would awaken our hearts to a fresh revelation of who you are, and that we would then reveal you to this world in the name of Jesus. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more information on KCC and how to connect, visit us at kcc.net.